welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. So, so this morning I have the privilege of introducing our speaker this morning. Um, some people mistake him for young Santa. Um, you know, have you seen pictures of you know Santa from his young days in Scandinavia? Um, you might think that this Viking has come uh, here to play that, that role, but it's not the case. He's come here to, to bring the word of the Lord to us. Uh, John Matthew, more than that, John Matthew Goodwin is a, is a, a great friend of mine. Um, one of the first people to introduce to me uh, what it was to know Christ's life. And so um, I just value him so much. I value his words. I value his, his ministry. An excellent husband and father. And so uh, to be under your tutelage, but then also to, to walk alongside you in ministry, it's just always been a joy. And so John Matthew's going to be sharing with us this morning. So I want you guys to give a big hand to him as he comes up. So John Matthew and his, his uh, lovely wife Kim are here and their kids as well. So if you guys see them after the service, make sure to just say hi and greet and greet them. Uh, they do a wonderful ministry right now with worship with us, and they're living in St. Mary's doing that. And so they also were in doing missionary work in Bulgaria. And so they're going to have lots to share. I'm sure you have lots to share about that. Um, but I'm just so thankful for your continuous ministry uh, uh, to me as your friend, but also to everyone here. So, man, take it, take it over. Thank you. I think you win the prize for best intro ever. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I never thought I would be a Viking, but here we are. <laughs> it's kind of fun. And I'm not Santa, but hopefully I can bring you a gift from Jesus this morning. All right? So if we're just meeting, my name's John Matthew. Thanks for introducing me, Robin. My wife, Kim, is over here. Our kids are, like Robin said, hanging out in Sunday school this morning. And it is uh, such a treat for us to be with you this morning. We were talking in the foyer earlier. It was Chicopee school, the last time we were all together in person. I, I, some of you might not even have been there, but it was a long time ago that we were in person together. We've done some online stuff with you in the last couple of years, but what a whirlwind it's been. And so it's a real treat for us to be with you this morning. And we think about you and pray for you often, and we do our best to keep up with all that you've got going on. There's a lot. You guys are into a lot of good stuff, and we're uh, excited about what Jesus is doing here. Uh, but mostly we appreciate your heart and your passion to pursue Jesus and to know him as your life, and uh, the community that is New Life Fellowship. It's such a blessing to be tied in here and see how Jesus is working. Happy Mother's Day, moms, and everybody who has a mom in one form or another. Happy Mother's Day. Before I really get into anything, what I really want to say is thank you to you. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your love to our family. Thank you for 
uh, your partnership with us in ministry, for your financial support, for your encouragement, for the times that you call, for the times that you've written, for the way that you walk along with us in ministry. There's, um, there's nothing better than to know that there's this family standing behind us, cheering us on, and sending us out into the world to tell people about Jesus. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. And the truth of the matter is we wouldn't want to do it without you because y'all are the best. And so from my family to you, this family, thank you so much for walking with us in life and ministry. Uh, I'm excited to share with you this morning just a little bit about a trip that we took recently to Eastern Europe, and I want to get into the word with you. Uh, I want to be thorough but brief sharing about the the work that we've been doing because I think that Jesus wants to talk to us from the word this morning. And so we're going to fly through... um, I don't know, 25 pictures. You know how missionaries come home from some place and they've got like a bajillion pictures of people that you don't know? I'm that guy this morning. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully I can put some context around what you're looking at and share with you some of the good things that Jesus has done as we've traveled with worship with us, the ministry that I work for, that you've partnered with, that you have a big hand in participating with. And so this is as much for you to get on board with what you've already been on board with as it is for me to just tell you about some people that you don't really know about. So Ian, thanks for trying to keep up with me on the slides there. Appreciate it. Um, I did want to say as well, it could be that worship with us is a bit of a mystery for most of you, except that you know me. And so I would love to tell you the journey and the history and some of the backstory at some point, not this morning. Book me for a coffee or a slice of pizza, and we'll go hang out and talk about all of those things. Uh, besides Bulgaria, Ian's going to throw this up here. We're into all kinds of ministry at worship with us. We do itinerant speaking, itinerant worship leading. We do a once-a-month worship night. We do a lot of online streaming and teaching and worship leading and encouraging. I've, that one in the middle, New Life, that wasn't intentional, but apt, I guess, uh, <laughs> for being here, doing some instrumental worship, soaking music to just spend some time with Jesus, and uh, lots of different things on the go that we uh, have seen Jesus working through. Go ahead, Ian. You've probably seen floating around that we're doing a concert next week. I know all the ladies are away, but guys, that could be a good opportunity for you to bring your kids out for a fun night. I'm, you know what I'm saying? Kids eat free, 12 and under. No problem, just bring them. And we're going to put some original music out there that my dad and I have written. We're going to put some old music out, some new music out. We're going to put some worship out, and would love for you to join us if you are able. Uh, it's a fundraiser, so tickets are $20 for anybody who's over 12. But if you are interested in joining us, come. It's going to be fun. This is what I really want to tell you. We went to Bulgaria for three months. Yeah. I love that you're connected with Bulgaria. I, lots of people don't know about Bulgaria. Lots of people don't know where Bulgaria is. You do? That's so cool. I so appreciate the contacts that you sent me while we were there. That was great. Uh, we spent three months in this country here. It's in Eastern Europe, surrounded by Romania, Serbia, Macedonia, Greece, Turkey, and the Black Sea. And uh, everybody went. It was me, my wife, our kids, my mom and dad who founded Worship With Us, the ministry that we went with, that we were working with. There were seven of us, and we lived in a three-bedroom house for the better part of 88 days, which was awesome. 
and super challenging sometimes, you know? And so it was, uh, it was great to go, and the seven of us did ministry. This is our ministry base in a little village in Bulgaria. And this is a bit of a weird trip for us. It was kind of a reset trip. Normally when I've gone to Bulgaria, because I've been six times, we would spend two to three weeks running at full tilt. We would go and go and go. One day, one, one time, one trip, not one day, one trip, we did 14 meetings in seven days, plus all the travel, and it was crazy. And we would just run and meet with people and pray for people. This wasn't like that, because we had kids with us. And we were there for three months. And it had been two years since anybody was at our ministry base here because, uh, well, the pandemic. And so it was uh, a bit of a different feel and a bit of a different pace. And it's not that we didn't want to be there, right? You know, we had people at the base in November of 2019. We were planning to go back in March of 2020, then September of 2020, and then, you know, 21 unfolded. And in that time, a tree fell over and broke the roof of the house. So we had to have that fixed from afar. And the house sat empty for two years, more than two years. And so we waited, and we waited, and we said, Jesus, can we go? And eventually we had this very clear opportunity to go. We went from October 2021 to the end of January 2022. And this is the ministry base that we went back to take care of and put back together. Um, And so there's some pictures that Ian's going to show you here of some of the things that we did around the base. We had to go and clear the ground because it was way overgrown with pokeweed and all sorts of other unknown weedy type things. We had to fix part of the roof. It was fixed in that there was no big hole anymore from the tree that fell over, but we had to rearrange some of the tiles and make it all functional again. We had to chop wood. We had to prepare for winter. We had to do all sorts of things just to reclaim the property and the space. And so we did that. You can keep going, Ian. There's our kiddos working. Next. Before and slightly after. (laughs) It got even better. It got good at one point. So this is a picture of our second building. It used to be a barn. Actually, it used to be the shell of a barn with one wall that was missing. And it had a donkey in it at one point. But um, I think when the house was purchased for ministry purposes, the donkey had to go. So we've been slowly working on converting this barn, we still affectionately call it the barn, turning into dormitory style living space because we host teams and we want to have pastors come and we want to make a space where people can encounter Jesus and be refreshed and be taught and worship, those sorts of things. And so this is the barn. We had to do a bunch of work on the barn as well, like flooring Man, I don't know if you've ever packed flooring supplies into a tiny little car. It was an Opal. It was about as big as like these three seats here. But we did it. We did flooring. We did some heat for the building. We did some electrical work. We got some lights put in. Hold up there for a minute, Ian. We did lots of painting. Was like really trying to get hold of what this building was supposed to be that had been left for two years. And we have this vision to have multiple bedrooms in the barn living spaces, restful gardens on the property, places for people to, like I say, come, take in a seminar, come, worship Jesus, come, just rest, come and be refreshed in Jesus. These are the future bedrooms. I don't know if you look at that and go, those are bedrooms? 
Or if you look at that and go, those are going to be bedrooms. But in faith, we're trusting that at some point, hopefully soon, we're going to have some framed walls. We're going to have some nice drywall and some paint, some flooring in, and people will be able to come and stay at the barn. We'll say, you go sleep in the barn. (laughs) Go get some rest in the barn. This is our vision. This is our hope. And we've seen Jesus slowly put it together. And we're excited for what the future holds. Uh, We took regular breaks from this stuff to meet with people because we're in ministry. We want to be about the Father's business, and the kingdom is all about people, right? Right? Are you a talky church? I don't know. Because I... (laughs) No, not so much. I, I love if you feed me back. That's okay. The kingdom... Okay, let me just say it. The kingdom is all about people. We want people to know Jesus, and so we stepped away from this trying to reclaim the property to meet with people. These are kids that we met in our village, This is the town square, just kitty corner. It's like literally a 20-second walk from the house. And they love to come and play frisbee, and they love to play soccer, and they love to play tag, and they love to hear our crazy Canadian accents. (laughs) But what a treat for our kids to be able to meet these other children in the village and say, hey, Jesus loves you. What a treat for us to come and say, hey, we're from Canada. We came all this way just to tell you that Jesus loves you. And it's neat because there's this generational thing now. My dad's been going to Bulgaria for 20 plus years, and so he goes places. He'll be at the market. He'll be walking through town, and people go, hey, John! And it's this kid that he used to play soccer with in the square a decade ago, and now we're starting the next round. These guys, next slide, even came over to our house and helped us move the wood pile. I think it's because they liked hanging out with us, and not just because my girls are so cute, but... Either way, the wood got moved, right? So that's the important thing. (laughs) Next slide. We got some friends from the nearby village. This is Georgi, his wife, Janka. They're evangelists from the church in the town next to our village. They love to just meet with the community and tell them that Jesus loves them, that he can save them, that he has hope for them. And so we got to meet with them and encourage them and bless them, and partner with them in the work that they're doing. Because there was so much to do at the barn, so much to do at the base, my parents were looking to feel out options to see if they could stay longer. Right now, you're only allowed to stay in Bulgaria for 90 days without a special visa, and we didn't have a special visa, but they wanted to stay longer if they could. So we went to the immigration office, and they were feeling it out. It was a big no-go, but you know what we did have happen? We met a lady named Rebecca, and she, got, she was from Germany. She got talking with my mom and dad, and she said, hey, it's my mom's birthday party tomorrow. Would you like to come? And we said, how did you know? Of course we want to come. We don't know you. We don't know your mom. We don't know. It turns out there's these German people who have left Germany because they don't like what the government is doing, and they're forming a community in the middle of nowhere, Bulgaria, so that they can be a little freer and encourage one another and live life together. And we got to go to this birthday party with a bunch of people that we had no idea who they were until Jesus opened the door. And we got to hear their stories. We got to hear their background and hear their perspective on life and faith. And then they'd say, well, what's your story? And we'd say, well, we're from Canada. What do you do? We do church work. And we come over here and tell people about Jesus. And they go, church? That's weird. go, yeah, but Jesus isn't that weird. He loves you, and he's... (laughs) And so this amazing opportunity to share with people that we wouldn't have otherwise known were even in Bulgaria. We got sick near the end of our time, 
and we spent uh, about a month trying to recover from COVID. <laughs> My mom got it real bad. She ended up in the hospital. She spent 10 days on the COVID ward with pneumonia. Uh, and <laughs> my mom, bless her heart, she's so sweet and has been going for so long, but she doesn't speak Bulgarian. And in the hospital, they didn't speak English very well. And she was having a hard time eating. And she wasn't allowed visitors. And so this was a very challenging time. It was a really hard experience for her. And 10 days in, I think she was starting to get a little loopy, going, I just, I just want to go home. But she had this neighbor, a bed, bedroom sharer neighbor named Lydia. And about eight days in, my mom heard the Holy Spirit say to her, hey, I want you to tell Lydia that Jesus loves her. So my mom tried really hard. She said, Lydia, Jesus obichamte, means, Lydia, Jesus, I love you. <laughs> it was so close. And she tried so hard, and Lydia looked at her and went, I have not a clue what you're trying to say to me. So she phoned her grandson, who spoke perfect English, better English than I speak, probably, hands her the phone, and my mom's talking on a video chat with the grandson. He says, my grandmother thinks that you want to ask her something, and my mom says, no, no, I just really feel that Jesus wants to tell your grandmother that he loves her. He says, well, how do you know that? And my mom says, because I know Jesus, and he was talking with me. And he says, I will deliver this message. And so he talked with his grandmother, and they both got to hear some good news about Jesus. And it's amazing how Jesus opens doors. I think that he might want to open doors for you in a similar kind of way right here. You know what I mean? Okay, let's keep moving. When we go, we go to Bulgaria, and we generally try to partner with churches that we're connected with. We're connected with churches right across the country. And so, next slide, Ian. This is our friend Pastor Angel and his wife Mary. Uh, they've been building a building for 20 years in the capital city, Sofia. In 2009, Kim and I had the privilege of standing on the third floor, which was just concrete and rebar and open air. And we prayed, and we said, Jesus, would you do this thing? And this pastor has struggled and persevered for 20-plus years under persecution and setbacks and no funding and all kinds of hardship. Go ahead, Ian. But he's persevered, and he's full of vision, and he's full of drive, and he's full of energy and passion for the kingdom. And so this is their building now. It has a roof. It's completely covered, and the facade is on. The outside, the rendering's done. The inside still needs some work, but they are moving forward. And more importantly, he's serving a growing and vibrant community that loves Jesus and is pursuing him. Next point. This is Peter and Ursula Hubley. They're new friends to me and Kim, people that my mom and dad have met before. We got to go to their house, and it turns out that they're missionaries from America, and they've been in Bulgaria for nearly a decade. They're actually just in the process of moving to Serbia to serve Jesus there. But what an encouragement to us to hear their story. And it's amazing how God will take you around the world to have an encounter with some people, which is actually an encounter with him so that you can be blessed in your journey as well. But we got to pray with these people. We got to share our lives together. And we said, well, who's your sending organization? And they went, well, you'll never have heard of them. They're a tiny little organization. And I went, no, really, tell me who, who you're with. And they said, we're with the Evangelical Missionary Church of America. They said, that's really interesting. I'm ordained with the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada. And they went, we're family. We're like cousins. I went, that's amazing. 
And I only had to come to Bulgaria to find out. That's so cool. All right, next slide. I call them slides like I'm flipping one of those old machines. It's a little dark, but on the left is my adoptive family. I met them when I was 17. They uh, were part of the church that we were visiting with on the Danube River. Fell in love with them. Their, old, their younger son was like a brother to me, is like a brother to me. And so we got to visit with them, and we prayed for their family, and we prophesied over their girls, and we shared a meal together, and we spurred them on in their leadership of the church and the Christians that they're involved with, and we encourage them in faith. We got our friends Ivancho and Natalia. This is Ivancho, the pastor. Yeah, go ahead, Ian. He's the pastor at the church in the little town next to our village. The town is called Pavlikeni, and it means the Paul followers. It's basically what it comes down to. You know where it says in the Bible, some follow Paul, some follow Paulus, some follow... These guys have a town named after people who followed Paul. These guys at this church, they followed Jesus. They live with Jesus. They let Jesus ooze out of them. And so we regularly had the opportunity to preach and to lead worship and to pray for people. People like Svetan in this next picture here. Svetan was new the first day that we arrived on the scene. He came in for the very first time and he said, um, would you pray for me? I'm suffering from anxiety. I'm having panic attacks, and I'm, I'm afraid most of the time. And so we prayed for him. We saw him a couple of days later, and eh, nothing much had changed. Then we saw him a couple of days later, and he said, hey, guess what? He was really excited. You prayed for me? I've been waiting on Jesus. I haven't had a panic attack in two days since I saw you, and I'm feeling really great, and I'm trusting that Jesus is setting me free and healing me. Amazing what Jesus can do. At this church, our kiddos even got to participate in their Christmas production, because we were there over Christmas. So that was pretty cool. I want to share just uh, one more thing about Bulgaria with you, because we get asked a lot. Bulgaria is close to the Ukraine. Um, so we've been helping Bulgarians who are helping Ukrainians. You can, there's three pictures here. These are the boys and the gals from the church in Sofia collecting diapers, baby formula, blankets, first aid supplies, all kinds of useful and important things that are being sent into the Ukraine through established lines with the Bulgarian Red Cross. And on the other side of things, the Bulgarians that we have connection with are housing refugee families, displaced peoples, mostly moms and their kids, which there's a slide here that you can see. Oh, they collected a lot of stuff. <laughs> Go ahead, Ian. These are actual real-life people who have escaped the war and who are being taken care of by your brothers and sisters in Bulgaria. My friend Angel, the pastor in Sofia, he writes, Dear brothers and sisters, this is as much to you as to me as to the people that he's writing to elsewhere. Brothers and sisters, thank you for your generosity Today, a group of refugees from Ukraine felt loved and welcomed in our city. We bought some things, clothes, shoes, toiletries, felt-tip pens and wafers for the children to meet a list of things they had shared with me at my invitation. The people are staying on four floors of a hotel next to the zoo, and most of them have small children, some large families. I wrote to them that their needs were met by a small church in Sofia, 
that we know it's only a tiny part of the material gaps that need to be filled, but we want to show them that the world has not forgotten about them and that we think of them every day. People have asked me to give you thousands of hugs and say they're shocked by the warm welcome and kindness of our country. This is one of the privileges that we have, being involved with helping these people. And so I would ask you to pray for Ukraine. I'd ask you to pray for our friends in Bulgaria who are helping displaced peoples. And uh, if you are interested in partnering up with us in that, we have a campaign going on to raise support, to send more supplies, to help with housing, to help with the needs of people just like this. It's worshipwithus.ca slash donate. And you can find a link there to, uh, to join in. And that's kind of the whirlwind tour. I'd love to tell you more sometime about what we're doing overseas. But I want to get with you to the word now, because I think that Jesus has something for us. Let's read together Numbers uh, 32, 1 to 7. It'll be on the projector in a minute. Kim and I were joking around about a week ago, said, what do you come and tell a church that's pretty much got it all down pat already? Because you guys are doing so well. As I was praying and prepping, I felt really prompted to share about the people who didn't enter the promised land. It sounds kind of negative, but it's, it'll be good. Don't worry, it gets good. <laughs> this is Numbers chapter 32, 1 to 7, and then we're going to jump down to 16 and read to 22. It says, The people of Reuben and Gad had many cattle. They saw that the land of Jazer and Gilead were good for cattle, and so they came to Moses, Eliezer the priest, and the leaders of the people, and they said, we, your servants, have many cattle, and the Lord has captured for the Israelites a land that is good for cattle. This is the land around Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elila, Sabam, Nebo, and Beon. If it pleases you, I practiced that earlier. If it pleases you, we would like this land to be given to us. Don't make us cross the Jordan River. Moses told the people of Gad and Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war while you stay behind? You will discourage the Israelites. They will not want to go over to the land that the Lord has given them. Down to verse 16. But the Reubenites and Gadites came to Moses and they said, We will build pens for our animals. We'll build cities for our wives and children here. And then our families will be strong and hidden in walled cities. They will be safe from the people who live in this land. And we will prepare for war. We will help the other Israelites get their land will not return home until every Israelite has received his land. We won't take any of the land west of the Jordan River. Our part of the land is east of the Jordan. And so Moses said to them, you must do these things. You have to go before the Lord into battle. You must cross the Jordan River armed. The Lord will force out the enemy. And after the Lord helps us take the land, you may return home. You will have done your duty to the Lord in Israel. Then you may have this land as your own. Why is this important for us? We learn from the scriptures that the way things unfolded in the physical world for Israel, to a large extent, parallel the way things work for us in our spiritual life as a believer in Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11 says, These things, the story of Israel, they've been written down as an example for us. 
Red Path wrote, Hebrews 3 and 4 show the promised land is a picture of the spiritual rest and the victory which may be enjoyed here on earth by every believer, a rest of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's important that we don't read things into the scripture that aren't really there. But Paul's told us that when we look at the story of Israel, that we look at the history of Israel and how God brought them out and led them into something new, it can serve as an example for us of how we walk with Jesus as a believer. And so the story of Israel coming out of Egypt is a picture of the Christian life. It's a picture of the process of salvation and being set free from the domain of darkness and sin and death and being saved by Jesus. The story of Israel moving through the desert, following God as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. It's like a life lived in the flesh where you see God doing things and he's taking you somewhere, but you haven't yet reach that place where you're living in and experiencing the fullness of the promise. He still provides. He's still faithful. And yet we just haven't quite got to that place that he desires to take us. It's his intended best. The story of Israel entering the promised land, crossing the Jordan, killing Jericho, moving into the land, possessing their inheritance, It's a picture of the Christian life. It's growing in grace, growing in maturity, taking hold of the freedom and the inheritance that God provides. And so we can learn from these things. We can learn how things go for us by looking at the story of Israel. And so this is a bit of the backstory. God provides for Israel in the desert, having brought them out of Egypt. He helps them cross the Red Sea with this miraculous parting of the water. He provides for them as he's leading them to the edge of the promised land. And this is the land that God had promised to Abraham generations before. He takes them right to the edge of this inheritance that he designed for them and promised to them. And it's like in that moment, they're looking at it and they forget (laughs) what God has done for them. It's like they have misplaced their faith somehow. It's like their faith has evaporated and the people don't trust that God is going to finish the job that he started with, started with them. And he, they start to evaluate the situation from their own strength and from their own position and from their own perspective. And they end up going for another tour around the desert, right? They don't go in. They don't cross over. They, they go for another wander in the desert. And like I said, that wandering in the desert wasteland is a picture of living by the flesh, living by our own resources, our own strength, our own wisdom, our own preconceived ideas about how things could go or should go. It's a picture of living by our own works. Until finally, they do their tour again, and they come back, and Israel is prepared to cross the Jordan. They're prepared to tackle Jericho. They're prepared to move into this land of promise and to inherit the good things that God had ordained for them so long ago. The Bible talks about the milk and the honey and the corn and the grapes and the almonds and the abundance, the freedom, the life that God had always designed for them. You know that there's an inheritance for you, right? I'll wait. Come on, church. (laughs) You know there's an inheritance for you, right? Ephesians 1 says that, yeah, In him, we became the heritage of the Lord, and we received in him an inheritance to the praise of his glory. That's amazing. 
And so we go, see Israel crossing the Jordan. It's this picture of baptism and our union with Christ. It's a picture of, uh, as they step into the Jordan, it's a picture of our co-, co I was so excited. Our co-crucifixion with Jesus, right? Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. And then they're in the middle of the river. It's like when we're buried with him, Romans 6. And then they come out on the other side into this brand new land and this brand new life as brand new creations. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you're taking notes. And on this new side of the Jordan, you enter into this process of walking into maturity and taking over the promised land and receiving and taking hold of the inheritance that God has provided for you. It's every good thing, every good and perfect gift. It comes from him, right? You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in him. It's more than you could ever ask or think or imagine. This is what he provides for you because of your faith. It's freedom and it's peace and it's joy and it's abundance and it's victory. Woohoo! <laughs> this is what Jesus offers to us because of our faith in him. And you know, some people have tried to make the case that the promised land, it's just a picture of heaven and you have to wait till you get there. And one day, this will all be yours. No. Look what Israel had to do. They had to go in, they had to fight. There were people there who were pagans. Heaven doesn't have stuff that corrupts and defiles. You don't have to go fight when you're in heaven. But now, yeah, there's some stuff that needs dealing with. And so rather than heaven, the promised land is a picture of life with Jesus and stepping into all the things that he wants to give us now. It's a willingness to put away those things that would distract, that would hinder our walk with Jesus, that would pull us away, and taking hold of all the things that Jesus has done for us. I don't know what you think about the idea of fighting. Israel actually went to war. Maybe it would feel like that sometimes as we are walking with Jesus. But we're talking about fighting with Jesus, knowing that the victory is secure, looking for and stepping into the things that he wants to give us. If you put your faith in Jesus, every promise of God is made available to you. If you've put your faith in Jesus, every provision of God is made available to you. Every gift of God is made available to you. Every endless mile of his grace and his strength and his power is made available to you. And he gives us the victory and we get to adventure with him into this abundant life that he promised us that he talked about in John chapter 10. A lot of the time, though, the question is, are we willing to take hold of it? Are we ready to take the next step with him, to trust him, and to take hold of whatever it is that he's putting in front of us? J. Oswald Sanders said this in his book, Promised Land Living, uh, that sometimes the initiative lies with us. You know? God gives all the grace. God gives all the strength. God gives all the energy. God gives all the victory. Are we going to step into it? He says this process involves negatively putting away, renouncing all that the Holy Spirit shows is alien to God's holy nature, and positively the renewal of a complete surrender to him and to his service. Sometimes 
even as we're walking through the promised land and we're experiencing Jesus and we're leaning on him, the cost just seems too high. Or the enemy just seems too strong. Or the victory just seems too insecure or unstable. And so we stop moving forward with him. We lose that forward momentum. And we become content and comfortable with what we're experiencing right now. You ever been there? Yeah. It's like we've got enough Jesus to make things good, but we haven't taken hold of the rest of what he wants to reveal to us and give to us. And so my encouragement this morning then is seek Jesus and discover what else it is that he's putting in front of you right now. What else is it that he's calling us into in this moment, in this season, in these days, right now? What is it that he wants to reveal to us and have us step into? You know, there's no end to him. There's no bottom to discovering his grace and his beauty and his love and his life. You can search forever and love him forever and discover new amazing things about him forever. And then there's more. And so what's he calling us to next? Let's do all we can to press in and to press on into the grace of Jesus and the power of Jesus and take hold of the fullness of the inheritance he promised for us. Yeah? Do you remember that there were two tribes that didn't even live in the land that God promised for them? There's some debate as to whether this is a good thing or not. Most of the scholars lean to not. I kind of tend to lean to not. Two and a half tribes. They opted for east of the Jordan when God said, go west of the Jordan. And they got there, and they're like, this land looks good. And rather than pressing on into the land that God had called them to, rather than stepping into the land that was their inheritance from him, they held on to and they settled in a land that looked good in their own estimation, that seemed sufficient for their needs in their own estimation, that would house and protect their wives and children in their own estimation. Are you sensing a theme here? They looked at it themselves and they went, yeah, I think this is probably pretty good. Not only that, but they ended up living in this area where they bordered pagan nations that influenced their perspective on things and influenced their worship. And then they were the first to be swept away when Assyria starts marching west. They're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> we got no border. We got no protection. All our countrymen are across the Jordan. They got swept away first. And they were taken captive. People have commented on this situation. Schofield Study Bible says that these people were the tribes that were world borderers, and he compares them to carnal Christians. Uh, that's Christians who are saved, but they're living according to their flesh. David Jeremiah suggests that they were unable to wait for the best that God designed for them. Man, I've been there. Okay, God, let's do this thing. Are we there yet? No, this is good. I'm going to stay here. Wait, there's more? Oh, okay, let's keep going. Unger writes, how easy it is for God's people to get so near what is God's purpose for them and yet be diverted from it by what is expedient from a worldly standpoint. Especially is it true of the good and providentially advantageous things, what, of this life, that in themselves are by the mercy of God, but which if we settle down in them, they become the good that's the enemy of the best that God has for us. 
It's a bit wordy. In other words, what he's saying is, on the way to great things, God still gives us good things. But if we hold on to the good things, well, good isn't great when best is better, right? You can tweet that later. (laughs) Good isn't great when best is better. The best is yet to come. There's more. There's more that you can know of Jesus. There's more that you can experience of Jesus and his life and his freedom and his victory. But we do that sometimes, don't we? I mean, it's not hard for me to understand why they did what they did, why they settled where they did, why they just stopped. Sometimes it's just safe and it's comfortable. And safe and comfortable in the wrong place seems better than a fight for the right place. Sometimes you're just tired. Man, we've been wandering the desert. Just hiked across the Jordan. We pulled all those heavy rocks out. I'm tired. I'm just going to rest for a while. And then we get stagnant and we stay there, right? Sometimes the known and the familiar seems better and easier than the unknown and the unexpected. Stepping into things where we have to kind of go in blind, walking by faith, not by sight, going, okay, Jesus, if you don't got this, and it's scary. And so we stay put because it's scary to step out in faith sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to make changes and to put down or to let go of the things that we've claimed as our own, that we've decided that we're going to love. And God asks us to put those things down. Sometimes our concept of God is wrong. This is one of our passions to talk about, Kim and I. Two big questions. What affects your life more than anything? Your concept of God. Who is he? What's he like? How is he towards me? And your identity in him. Who am I because of the cross? And if we look at God and think wrong things about him, we're going to act on our wrong thinking, our wrong belief. And so we end up in a place that seems okay, but in reality, it's not what God's deep and beautiful and compassionate heart intends for us. And so I just I don't want us to miss out. You know? I don't say that in a way where it's like, man, we just we got to be striving and we got to be so tuned in to God. It's not like God is hiding from us or teasing us or sending us on this wild goose chase to find his will. We just get to trust him. And we get to walk with him from glory to glory. And this is the truth of the matter. God is good. God is faithful. He's just. He's kind. He's patient. He's persistent. He's a good father. And he's the lover of our souls. Look at that. There it is. He's powerful. He redeems. He's overcome. And he's made us overcomers. He's made us more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, right? He's honest, and he's true, and he's consistent, and he's for us, and he's not against us. He's planned good things that bring us to a bright hope and a bright future. That's what God is like, and more. He loves us. And because all of that is true, I just want to say, let's follow him. Let's step into all of the things, the fullness of the promised inheritance that he's bought for us with the blood of Jesus Christ, right? What is the best that Jesus has in store for us? What's he got in mind for us next? What's the next piece of your inheritance that he's inviting you to step into? What battle are you facing next as you follow him?
into this greater experience of freedom and life? What is God drawing you into while at the same time providing for you all the grace, all the power, all the strength, all the endurance, all the joy that you need to see that thing secured and established in your life? Don't hold back. Let Jesus have his way. Let Jesus do what he wants to do in your life and take you where he desires to take you. Let him rearrange the pieces of your life. That might be your relationships, your finances, your business deals. It might be your location. It might be your preconceived ideas about the world, about yourself, about who he is. Let him mess them up. Let him rearrange the way that you assess people and the way that you love people. Whatever else it might be, just let him have his way. Like J. Oswald Sanders said, right? Total surrender to him and to his service. God's gone to great lengths to set us free, to make us his own, to lead us into the land of promise and to give us an inheritance. And so let's, let's decidedly step into the freedom and the victory that he wants for us to experience in him. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for you? Jesus, what a treat to be together this morning. Thank you that you've made us family and that by your Holy Spirit, you've tied us together and that we're on this great adventure with you to experience everything that you secured for us. Thank you for the fullness of life, the abundance that you promised to us in the word. And thanks that you are drawing us on into a full experience of all that you have intended for us. Help us to be brave, to trust you, knowing that you're good and you're kind and that your heart is for us. We surrender to you, Jesus. We trust you as a faithful father. Bless this family, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.